Oh, and please, don't make fools of yourselves and embarrass yourselves pointing your accusatory fingers at me for corrupting him. Because I assure you, it's him corrupting me. Babylon. Babylon. Let's get to Babylon. It's all about some wrestling. Babylon. Babylon. Let's get to Babylon. It's all about some wrestling. Salutations, Marks. It's your boy Bobby, that bearded kid, a.k.a. Young Facial Hair, a.k.a. The Macho Kid Dandy Savage. And you know what time it is? It's time for another installment of Babylonia, the podcast where we ramble about professional wrestling. We keep it raw, we bring the power, we have the dynamite, and you know how it goes. If you disagree, you just may feel the smackdown. Now... Let's get hairy. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for that Raw discussion. This is the August 31st edition of Raw. This is the Raw directly after Payback. And what a glorious event Payback was. I I just, I can't get over it. It was absolutely lovely. It was a breath of fresh air in the world of WWE pay-per-views. But let's see what happened the night after, or rather, let's talk about what happened the night after on Monday Night Raw. So... Randy Orton, obviously upset for losing, um, you know, cuts a promo, does the whole blame game, like, it's obvious, he's upset that he lost to Keith Lee, this was Keith Lee's first big WWE pay-per-view match, and he got beat, and, you know, Randy is upset about that, it's, it's great, great heel work, and then, you know, Keith comes out with the logic, which is good face work, so... I don't know. This was a really, like, simple, easy opening segment for Raw to kick off with. And it kind of solidified both of their positions in this program that they have going on. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You know, Randy is upset, making excuses. You have Keith Lee saying, you know, I beat you, so technically I should get a shot at Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship. Just really, really good stuff. And I gotta be honest, I absolutely loved the singles matches that took place to lead to a triple threat match that would determine the number one contender. Um, Essentially, there were four singles matches on this episode of Raw. Each winner of those matches, or three of them, there were three singles matches on this episode of Raw, and each winner would advance to a triple threat Uh, which would happen at the end of the show, and the winner of that triple threat match would become number one contender for Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship at Clash of Champions. Um, You know, Keith Lee didn't really get to finish his speech because he was attacked by Dolph Ziggler, and then that was the first match, Keith Lee versus Dolph Ziggler. So, like, every single time Dolph Ziggler's in the ring, I'm reminded of how good he is. He's just a freaking selling maniac. And to be quite honest, his match with Keith Lee was very, very good. Mainly because he he's an unbelievable seller. He made Keith Lee look like a million bucks, and when Keith got that win, it felt really, really good. Now, the one thing about this whole scenario is how deep is Randy gonna go to get his shot at Drew McIntyre's title again? Um you know, Randy was seen walking out of Aleister Black's room like a weasel, and then 
He had his match with Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens was attacked by Aleister Black before he even got to the ring. And then Kevin gets in the ring, swings a few missed punches, and eats an RKO, and Randy advances to the triple threat match at the end of the show. I hate to see Kevin Owens treated that way, but heel Aleister Black has to go somewhere. Like, it's so good. He looks, honestly, in my opinion, I think he looks like a badass with his cool, like, snake-esque eye patch thingamajig. I just, I really, really hope that this isn't, like, lost in the shuffle and blown out of proportion. I want this to work for Aleister Black because he's deserved so much more since he came from NXT to the main roster. So we'll just have to see where it goes. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is the Apollo Hurt Business situation. It's really weird. Um, if you listen to my episode about payback, you know that the only thing that I didn't really like about the pay-per-view was Bobby Lashley beating Apollo Crews. I, I knew that it was going to happen at some point, but I didn't think that it was going to happen so soon. And in my opinion, it made Apollo look weak. And then they kind of furthered that this week with Apollo being announced that he was going to be on Underground um, in a match with Shelton Benjamin. Uh, as, as far as his homies go, Cedric Alexander got a win, which is really cool. But this whole thing honestly just feels a little lost and I feel like they're just throwing them where they have just a bit of television time. I don't know. But we'll come back to this here in a moment. Pretty big thing that happened, I guess, if, if you care about the Iconics. There was, a, there was a tag team match. And, you know, the Iconics uh, were going up against the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. And the losers of said match had to dismember they had to split up and Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot got the win thank God you know two people that I think deserve a lot more as far as their showing goes but like what does this really mean for the Iconics you know like because I don't know why they would split them up I mean they kind of fit together like two peas in a pod um, and I also don't know if this means because the way, the way that I look at it is this could mean two different things. This could mean that Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot are about to get some sort of push, you know, now that they got the ball rolling. Or this means that the Iconics were split up, so one of them could get a push, and the Riot Squad's just going to go back to being like, you know, mid to low card jobbing tag team. So I'm not really sure about that but once again we'll come back to this here in a little while further things happened later on in the show um Seth Rollins makes his way to the ring with Murphy obviously very upset at Murphy for what happened to payback if you don't know uh the Mysterios beat Rollins and Murphy in their tag team match uh mainly because Murphy biffed he screwed up um Seth Rollins was going to deliver a buckle bomb to Rey Mysterio into the corner where Murphy was standing and Murphy was to kick Rey Mysterio in the back of the head. Well, Rey Mysterio reversed it into a Hurricane Rana, and Murphy ended up kicking Seth Rollins directly in the face, and it caused them to lose the match pretty much. Um, so Seth was obviously irate, just snaps on Murphy, just absolutely belittles him, makes him look like a fool, um, just smacks him in the back of the head. Very, very good heel work 
from Seth Rollins, and it's interesting to me because I don't know if this means that we're starting to see Rollins push everyone away, and then we'll see them turn their back on him. I don't know, but Murphy couldn't catch a break. He was leaving the ring, he got out there, and Dominic literally attacked him from behind, and then went out there and had an incredible match with Seth. Like, this was another one of those matches where the winner advanced to the triple threat for the number one contendership for Drew McIntyre's WWE title. And, man, there was like an emotional segment in the back where Ray was talking about like how it was supposed to be him, but he's glad it's his son. And Dom said some like really inspirational stuff. And he went out there and attacked Murphy from behind and then like just went down to the ring and just went straight to Rollins. And the match was great. It was honestly a really, really solid match. And I've said it like four times now on this podcast I cannot get over Dominic Mysterio and how, like, natural he is at doing this. It is absolutely unbelievable. He is impressing the hell out of me. Just a great match with Rollins. Of course, Rollins gets the win. You know, Dominic has to serve his time, I guess, before something big happens for him. But Rollins gets the win, advances to the triple threat, so it's it's pretty much set in stone at this point. Later on in the night, we'll be getting Keith Lee, versus Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton in a triple threat match for number one contendership for the WWE title. Um, But we'll come back to that here in a little while because now we're going to talk about Raw Underground. So Raw Underground was kind of better this week, but it was only better because of this weird, and like I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but it was Titus O'Neil and Riddick Moss, they had a little brawl in Raw Underground, and it was actually, for me, the realest, in quotations, that it's been presented so far. It actually looked really, really good. What made Raw Underground really weird for me was what happened with the Iconics. You know, they're distraught that they have to split up. They're obviously upset. Uh, They're hanging out in Raw Underground in the bowels of wherever they are, and Royce tells her friend, I'm actually forgetting her name at the moment, and I can't believe I'm doing that on a freaking professional wrestling podcast. Regardless, she gets in the ring, and it's it's just weird to me, because if you're so upset that you and your best friend just got dismembered as a tag team, why would you throw her to the wolves and not do anything when she gets kicked in the face? Just really odd. It was also really odd seeing Apollo, Ricochet, and Cedric like so hype and then heading in there to like handle business with the hurt business and then they just get beat down like to me that is what it looks like to get buried you know it's not john cena beating you in your debut match like that's not getting buried in my opinion getting buried is being built up to look good and then you don't you just like i just don't understand it i really don't want this apollo cruise and Hurt Business thing to go any much further, because I think it's going to end up hurting Apollo Crews' career, at least for the short term, you know? Because, if if anything, it'll lead to maybe like a repackaging of him, which might be cool, I don't know. A heel Apollo would be nice, but we'll see where that goes. Um, Moving on to the main event, Uh, this is a short Raw discussion. Um, It was all, it was a very fluid episode of Raw, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, but there really wasn't anything too grand. My favorite thing about this episode of Raw was how everything revolved around the triple threat match. Like, this was pretty much just a big, long story 
about this triple threat match for the number one contendership. And this match with Seth and Keith and Randy was insane. It was very, very good. Keith Lee is money, period. Um, his time will come at some point, and when it happens, it's going to be huge. Hopefully, they'll wait until the world goes back to normal and live crowds are a thing again. Who knows how long that's going to be, but, dude, Keith Lee just absolutely incredible. It's one of those situations where, like, Keith Lee had this match won, and you know he won the match, but Randy being the sly, snaky weasel that he is pretty much won this match because his, you know, his brain is big and he's an asshole, so... But I'm telling you, Keith Lee's time is going to come. It's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. Um, I'm really not excited to see Drew versus Randy again. But I like the idea of Keith Lee continuing his showing. Because he's just, he's been doing, it's only been like, what, two weeks now? And he's just absolutely killed, killed it every single time he's gotten the ring. But this was an okay episode of Raw. You know, like I said, the whole three matches that lead to a triple threat match for the number one contender like that that was probably the best thing about this episode um it felt refreshing you know like not super refreshing but kind of refreshing like on the beard scale this episode of raw is going to get like a new beard like like a new beard that was just cut like you woke up your beard's all scraggly and long and then you just decide to like trim it up and make it all nice and short and clean again to start anew. That's what this <laughs> that's what this episode of Raw is going to get on the beard scale. And of course, with that being said, let's move on to the Dynamite discussion. This is the last episode of Dynamite before we head into All Out. And boy, howdy. This episode was such a good go-home show for All Out. This is the September 2nd edition of AEW Dynamite. And, man, I just, I I can't get over how good AEW is with a handful of things. They're so good with tag team matches. They're so good with storytelling. And we'll get to the ending of this episode of Dynamite, obviously, but I can't wait to get there. For now, there was a fun little opening tag match between the best friend and Santana and Ortiz. Uh, there was a couple of botches here and there. I wouldn't say it was anything great. Um, it was fun. But the best friends didn't get revenge for uh, Mama Best Friend's van. And I'm pretty sad about that. I wish they would have won. It would have been nice to see them, like... I don't know. I would have really liked to have seen them win the match and then drive off in a new van or something cool. But it is what it is. It was just filler, in my opinion. In, in my opinion? <laughs> Lordy. It was filler, in my opinion. Um... MJF, dude, this whole episode was just incredible. You know, we, we go into an MGF segment where he's just crazy intense. And he is such a breath of fresh air in the world of professional wrestling. Dude, he's old school. He's incredible with the microphone. I've said it a few times before, and I'll say it until someone else comes along that's this good. But, like, MJF is probably the best heel in the business. He does such a good job. You know, what he said made sense. Everything was incredible. Just his intensity was through the roof in this episode. And we'll come back to that here in a little while. But we move on to this multi-man tag team match 
And I'm telling you, y'all, AEW may do multi-man tag team matches better than anyone else. Like, their tag team matches are obviously great, but they're six-mans, they're eight-mans. They even did a ten-man one time that was absolutely incredible. It's just, I guess when you have the Young Bucks, like, on your team, it's just going to be that way. Um, Speaking of the Young Bucks, I think there's some trust issues going on at the moment with them. I'm not sure what this means for All Out, and I'm not sure what this means as far as their relationship with Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega goes. But I'm pretty sure that they're breaking in some way or form. You know, because they they won the match with Jurassic Express, but they didn't stay in the ring to celebrate. They just kind of turned their backs and walked out. And I don't know if it's just them kind of hanging on to that bitter feeling that Hangman Adam Page left them with, or if it's them developing some type of trust issue, like they don't want to get close to anybody anymore. Um, But we'll have to see where that goes in the oncoming weeks. There was a spot in this match that absolutely blew my mind. Um, And I want to talk about it because it was crazy. It was like something you see in a damn video game. Luchasaurus did a belly-to-back suplex, and he threw his opponent into the air, and that opponent did like a somersault, and then Jungle Boy caught him into a powerbomb. It was the craziest thing ever. It looked like something out of Def Jam Fight for New York. It was wild. But we digress, and we move on to FTR and Page and Omega, who are in the ring pretty much amping us up for their tag team match at All Out. And it was it was great back and forth between between them. Um, essentially, FTR was, I would say they were picking on Kenny Omega, you know, um, giving him a hard time. Hangman Adam Page didn't come out until later. Uh, Kenny said something really funny about chocolate milk. Um, there was a little bit of tension, and then the the light bulb went off in my head, and it was if Hangman Adam Page didn't do what he did to the Young Bucks for himself or for FTR, then, like, who did he do it for? Because, like, in the beginning, I was like, it has to be for FTR. Maybe we'll see him join forces with them at some point. But then FTR was like, you didn't do it for us. Did he do it for himself? Is he afraid to face the Young Bucks again? Because, I mean, we all know that tag team match that happened was absolutely incredible to this day the best tag team match that I've ever seen does he think that he can't live up to that anymore does he not like Kenny I'm just I'm excited to see what happens um with Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page I think we'll probably end up seeing a match between the two of them at some point and that match is going to slap that match is going to be absolutely crazy um we had Orange Cassidy getting the last laugh before going into All Out, which is great because I think he's going into All Out on a high note, and I think he's going to come out of All Out on a high note. So it's great that he got the last laugh on Jericho uh, on the last episode of Dynamite before All Out takes place. Um, We move on to Matt and Sammy, who have a big match at All Out, and, you know, the stipulations, they're high because Matt pretty much stated that if he doesn't win this match, then he'll, like, retire or quit. Um, I think it's really, really great that these two are going at it. 
and I can't wait to see what happens at All Out between the two of them. It's a broken rules match, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's super-duper cool, um, but just super high stipulations for a legendary wrestler that is Matt Hardy, and we'll we'll have to wait until All Out to see what happens. Um, then a crazy brawl broke out. Like, oh, it was wild. There was Taz, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Eddie Kingston, all with microphones at the exact same time, talking shit to each other, and it was insane. It was like a dream moment. Um, and then just huge fight broke out. Just a big awesome brawl. It was basically to get us pumped for the Casino Royale at uh, All Out, which is their big battle royal which is going to determine who the number one contender for the AEW World Championship is. But this was just a really great segment. Taz was talking smack. Jake the Snake was being, you know, the sly, like, why-speaking old man that he is. And then Eddie Kingston came out and was, like, serving him left and right. It was awesome. Um, And they're all going to be in this, except Jake the Snake, Roberts, and Taz, obviously. But everybody who was out there is going to be in the Casino Royale and, this huge brawl that broke out was just like an appetizer for what we can expect when the Casino Battle Royale happens. Uh, the next thing that happened blew my face off. Thunder Rosa had a match. Dude, Thunder Rosa on my TV with a theme that's super awesome, by the way, very metal. Like, big hearts. Big fan of Thunder Rosa. Awesome champion, awesome professional wrestler. She had a match, uh, and it was very good. I was, like, you have to remember that Thunder Rosa is literally, for me, like one of the, like she kind of came out of nowhere, you know? And she's made such a huge impact on the world of professional wrestling, specifically female professional wrestling, since she, you know, rise to the top. And this was just an incredible match. It got me really pumped to see like what her and Sheeta are going to do it all out. So hopefully they don't let me down. Um, we move on to the last segment, the last moments of this episode of Dynamite. And it was John Moxley's match with uh, Sterling, the lawyer, <laughs> who told Moxley that he'd sue him so hard he'd have to part his hair to poop. I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, y'all. I still don't know what it means, but it's absolutely hilarious. So, as you know, uh, Moxley signed the contract, and MJF and Sterling and everybody was laughing at him, and then Moxley was like, hey, we have a match now, and I can use the paradigm shift, and that's what this was. It was hilarious, just watching Mox pick on Sterling. Um, it was great. You know, he, he would let him, <laughs> he would act like he would was going to let Sterling, like, punch him and stuff, and at one point he was beating him with his own shoe, and... Sterling was doing a great job of just looking like a coward, and then he hit him with a crazy paradigm shift and won the match. Well, upon winning the match, Wardlow attacked Moxley, gave him a couple of F10s, and then MJF came down to the ring with his walker and his neck brace and just did not take his eyes off of Moxley. And then he threw the walker, took off the neck brace, got in the ring, and just beat the ever-living hell at a Moxley, busted him open, dude. I had I have never seen MJF this intense and this like dastardly. 
It was absolutely incredible. He, he delivered so hard in this closing segment that he looks like a madman going into All Out. At one point, he had blood. He had Moxley's blood all over his face and chest. It was super-duper intense. Got me very, very pumped for All Out. Um, speaking of which, you know, keep your ears peeled. Uh, the All Out episode is... The All Out discussion is probably going to be coming either hopefully like right after All Out happens or after this episode is uploaded. Um, but this episode of Dynamite, this go-home episode heading into All Out was super-duper solid. Um, gets a pompous beard, you know, like a nice, well-trimmed hipster beard. The guy spends way too much time on it, but that's because his beard is better than yours, and you know it. And with all that being said, you guessed it, we're heading into our SmackDown discussion. Now, I think that this episode of SmackDown was so insane, because you have to, like, like I said, Payback was incredible, crazy, crazy things happened to Payback, and this SmackDown was what I was excited for the most. This is the September 4th edition of SmackDown, and you know what's going to happen. You know how the show's going to open up, and that's exactly, the show opened up exactly how you thought. It opened up with a recap of the triple threat match for the Universal Championship, and then we had Roman Reigns make his way down to the ring in a new shirt that said show up and win, by the way. And then Paul Heyman. And I cannot express to you how drawn I was to my television. We all know how absolutely insane Paul Heyman is with a microphone. But I have never seen Paul Heyman cut a promo like he did with Roman Reigns standing there not cracking a smile not making a face, just staring directly into the camera super-duper intensely. And in my opinion, man, like, heel Roman has always made sense. Always. I've always had the logic that if someone is going to get booed, then they need a reason to be booed. And if someone gets booed, then you might as well turn them heel rather than try to force face. You know, it happened with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, it was one of his first match. It might have been his, it wasn't his first match. At one point in time, Kurt Angle was trying to play face, okay? And the crowd was not liking it at all. So, in the middle of a match, he was told to turn heel. And after that, Kurt Angle's career went to the moon and back. That's what they should have done with Roman a long time ago. What has happened with Roman Reigns in the past two weeks should have happened many, many moons ago. But I am glad that they're finally accepting it, and the boos that are dubbed in as Roman Reigns walked down to the ring with his Universal Championship that he just won were very, very telling. Like, it's going to be one of those situations where I don't see Roman Reigns ever saying that he's a bad guy. I don't see him ever saying that the universe turned his back on him or anything like that. But he's definitely a bad guy now, and I honestly don't even know what to think. Like, I could talk about Roman Reigns for an entire hour. You know, because Roman Reigns was the one guy for me that really just, when the shield broke up, didn't really, how do I say this? He didn't really click like Rollins and Ambrose did. You know, we all know what happened to Dean. Look where he is now. 
Shouts out to PW Insider. But Roman never had it. You know, as good and as crispy as he was in the ring, he reminded me of John Cena. You know, he'd go down there for a match, and there'd be some back and forth, and then he would get his ass kicked, and then he'd pull out the three moves of doom. You know, Superman punch, Samoan drop, spear, and then he screams and the match is over. And, like, it never sat well with me. Not to mention, I didn't think his microphone skills were that good. Not to mention, he was always being, like, forced upon us. I went to a professional wrestling event. I went to a WWE live event in Richmond with a sign that said, It's raining, it's boring. But raining was spelled like Reigns' last name. That's how I felt about Roman Reigns. But this segment, this opening segment on SmackDown, with Heyman saying what he was saying, was just directed towards people who were like me. Heyman was speaking to every single Roman Reigns hater for the past few years, and it was just absolutely incredible. It was insane. It literally made me go, damn, out loud. A new era is literally upon us, in my opinion. And I just, I don't know what to think about it. Afterwards, Roman even blew off Jey Uso, you know? Which I think is crazy. But we'll come back to that because that further develops as the show goes on. We then go into a uh, tag team match. Heavy Machinery versus Morrison and Miz. And it was very odd to me because this was the first time since Otis became Mr. Money in the Bank that the commentary was like has really highlighted it. You know, because since Otis won that briefcase, they haven't really touched on it. I don't know why. Well, honestly, I have my opinions as to why. I mean, you got to think, like, why did Otis win the Money in the Bank match? Because he was hot. He was over. Everybody loved him. It made perfect sense for him to win. But look at the people who have been champions since he won that briefcase. Could you see Otis in a match with The Fiend, let alone winning? Can you see Otis in a match with Braun Strowman, let alone winning? Can you see Otis cashing in on Roman Reigns? Like, it's very, very weird. Because they up-talked it so much. They were like, oh, it's Mr. Money in the Bank. There's his briefcase. Yada, yada, yada. Um, they got a big, solid win. It was great. Heavy Machinery pretty much got a solid, very definitive victory over Miz and Morrison. And then Morrison snagged the briefcase and ran off with it. And yet, later on in the night, we found out that it was full of lunch meats and sandwiches, which is hilarious. But like, for just a second, I was like, oh my gosh, what if this means that they're going to take it away from Otis and let Morrison have it? And it was kind of upsetting. But I, I cannot see Otis cashing it in. And I don't know why, because I love Otis. I think he's great. He's charismatic. He's awesome in the ring. He's obviously a powerhouse. Like, he's got everything going for him. But I just, I can't see him cashing in on anybody that's been a champion for the past year. It just doesn't make sense to me. But we will have to see where it goes. We bleed into a segment where Big E is basically getting ready to celebrate not only Xavier Woods' birthday, but the return of Xavier Woods. And some dude comes up and he's like, hey, Xavier's here. And Big E's like, hell yeah, let me take my cake to him. Let's go, baby. He walks out the door, beaten by Seamus, out of nowhere. Just 
thrown against the garage door, brogue kicked, and then white noised onto the top of a car, and it looked absolutely brutal. And it's confusing, because I get it. Seamus is mad that Big E beat him at payback. But, like, Big E was supposed to be in a fatal four-way match. The main event on this episode of SmackDown was a fatal four-way, and the winner of that match got to face Roman Reigns for his Universal Championship at Class of Champions. It was Big E, Sheamus, Matt Riddle, and King Corbin. Well, now, Sheamus has pretty much eliminated Big E from that equation, and it makes me wonder why. And, you know, it's a shame, because WWE has been so... (laughs) WWE has been so unkind to us for years that when something like this happens, the first thing I jump to is write-off. Because this could just be a furthering of Big E and Sheamus' program. But, like, what if it's not? What if they wrote him out of the title picture because they don't think he's ready yet? And it makes me nervous. Hopefully Big E returns with a vengeance and just absolutely decimates Sheamus and his stupid hat. Um, but that's, that's all I'm saying. It better be story furthering rather than him getting written off. Because if that happens... Ooh, there ain't going to be no positivity. I'll tell you that right now. Now, one of the crazy things that happened at Payback, in my opinion, maybe like the second craziest thing that happened was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler beating the Golden Row models and taking their titles from them. Well, on this episode of SmackDown, we got a rematch for the Women's Tag Team Championships. It was Sasha Banks and Bayley versus... Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. And dead ass, this match, in my opinion, was better than the match at Payback. This was a really, really good match for those women's tag team championships. Sasha and Bailey had a really good showing. Shayna and Nia had a really good showing. It went a little bit longer than the match at Payback did. Both teams showed incredible tenacity. I mean, they were fighting. It looked like they were fighting for their lives. Like, you could tell that all Sasha and Bailey wanted to do was get their belts back. And you could tell that Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler did not want them to do that. Nia ends up ending the match with a big double crossbody and just squashes Bailey and Sasha and just gets the pinfall victory. And, you know, Shayna and Nia celebrate, leave the ring. Uh, Sasha had some really aggressive legwork done to her in this match. And. It all started when she was going for like a Meteora type move, like basically double running knees into the face, and she ended up hitting the ring post instead. Sounded awful, and then from that moment on, she was selling one of her knees, and then her legs just took... My, one of my favorite things about this match was Shayna Baszler attacking those knees and attacking her legs. Like, because Shayna is kind of booked as this ruthless submission expert who will do anything to get the job done and her attacking Sasha like that really furthered that so everything about this whole situation was good so Bailey and Sasha lose they're upset they're emotional Sasha's hurt people are coming down to the ring to check on her Bailey's like leave her alone don't touch her I'll help her out I'm her best friend she rolls Sasha out of the ring and Sasha's sitting on the apron and then it happened Bailey kicks her square in the face. And, like, I've been wanting this to happen for a while. 
but I had no idea that it was going to happen this soon. I thought that maybe we would get a couple more weeks of them falling out, and then we'd get the big moment where one of them beats the crap out of each other. But I did not see this coming at all, and Bailey just brutally, brutally attacked Sasha. It was almost hard to watch. She was being so maniacal and so rude and mean, and it all ended with uh, her wrapping a chair around Sasha's neck and head and jumping onto it feet first from the second rope. It was uh, it was honestly perfect. Heel Bailey, face Sasha, coming soon. Cannot wait. I think this is going to be huge. Now, we move on to my boy, Sami Zayn, who returned last week. And he's doing, in my opinion, like such an incredible angle. Like, I love this intercontinental title thing that they're doing right now. Sami Zayn, as we all know, was the intercontinental champion and then was stripped of it and just, like, out of nowhere. Like, I was stoked that he won it, and then it was like, he's not going to be around. So they took it from him, and they made it vacant, and they had people fight for it. And that really upset me because I love Sami Zayn, and he's so worthy of a championship. And I think it's BS that they took it from him just because he didn't want to be there because of what's going on in the world. Like, absolutely ridiculous. So I really, really like the fact that Sami Zayn is saying that he's still the Intercontinental Champion. I love the fact that he's walking around with his own belt. I absolutely love it. Sami's great on the mic. He's great at being like a whimsical butthead. It's awesome. And... I really like the idea that this could lead to a triple threat match with him, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles because I think that would totally deliver for the real Intercontinental Championship. And honestly, if that happens, I think Sammy would win because why not? You know, why not have him reclaim what was never taken? You let Roman Reigns do it. Why not let Sami Zayn do it? Um, small little tidbit from this episode of SmackDown. There was a vignette for a new female wrestler who's coming. All I saw was some definitely expensive high heels, uh, some, like, fur coat or something being dragged, and just, like, calves and shins just walking. And I, I don't know if it's someone getting, like, repackaged, or if it's someone coming back, or if it's someone we've never seen before, but it was a vignette for a new female performer, and I'm very interested. I think, I don't know, I don't want to throw any ideas out there, but it could be... I'm thinking that it's either going to be Carmella, like Carmella's going to get repackaged, or, and this is just a big shot in the dark, maybe Eva Marie's going to come back. You know, she did say that, like I think it was like last week at some point, she did say that uh, WWE will always be her home and whatnot. So we'll just have to see where that goes. But we move on to uh, an unexpected episode of Firefly Funhouse. At this point in the episode, it was very weird how it happened. It was like the universe like heard me. At this point in the episode, I figured that we probably weren't going to see Bray Wyatt or The Fiend for a couple of weeks. Um, and then out of nowhere, we get a new episode of Firefly Funhouse. And I was like, yay, this is awesome. And Bray Wyatt continues to tell us that we shouldn't be worried that The Fiend lost his favorite toy. Because next week, Firefly Funhouse is getting a new friend. And then 
we go to Nikki Cross, who just got done watching that on a television in the back, and Alexa Bliss pops into scene. And Alexa Bliss looks a little on the crazy side. She has more dreadlocks in her pigtails. And she apologizes to Nikki for what she's done, gives her a big old hug, but in the background, Rambling Rabbit pops up from behind a storage unit, storage bin. And I was just like, oh man, this is, I am so <laughs> excited to see where this goes. Because we all know Alexa is going to be the new friend, but how is she going to be presented? How is she going to act? Where is this going to go? Is this going to turn the fiend into a face character? And maybe we'll see some wacky, wild things from them? I don't know, but I'm super duper excited. But it's for sure Alexa, and I just I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm glad that they brought this back. Because I really thought that they were going to ditch it there for a little while. Um, we move on to the main event. And this is where the first thing that I talked about comes back around full circle. So Roman Reigns kind of blows off Jay. Well, after Big E is taken to a local medical facility for his injuries due to Sheamus, uh, Adam Pierce tells us that they're going to look for a replacement. So it's still going to be a fatal four-way match. They just got to find someone else to be in it. Paul Heyman comes and scoops him up, and lo and behold, Jay Uso is in this fatal four-way match in our main event. You know, and he goes in there, and he daps up Roman, and he's like, hey, thanks, man, good looking out. I'm going to do this, and then it's going to be cousin versus cousin at Clash of Champions, and Roman kind of says like a backhanded compliment, you know, like I know your brother could do it, but you need to go out there and prove that you can, and then the match takes place. We have Jey Uso versus Matt Riddle versus King Corbin versus Sheamus. Winner faces Roman Reigns at Clash of Champions for the Universal Championship. This match was banging. It was really, really good. At one point, King Corbin threw Jey Uso over the television monitors that show the virtual crowd. And the way this match ended was absolutely incredible. Sheamus hits... Corbin with a bro kick. And then Sheamus gets broed to sleep from Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle goes up to the top rope to hit the Broton or the Broding, whatever they call it, something bro related. And like literally right as soon as he lands on Corbin, Jey Uso comes out of nowhere with a big old splash. One, two, three. Jey Uso is the number one contender for Roman's title and is facing him at Clash of Champions. I don't know what's happening. Roman comes back and literally turns the entire world upside down, and it's all super-duper refreshing. Like, I can't get over it. It's just, I've never been as interested in Roman Reigns as I am right now, and if this is what we're going to get, then I can get on board. I'm not going to automatically turn into a Roman Reigns lover. It's going to take a lot for that to happen. But this is the most interesting I've ever seen Roman Reigns, and I think this is probably the best showing that he's ever had. Because it's it's been a long time coming. I've wanted to see if they would even do a heel Roman Reigns, but they are, and hopefully it goes well. But this was a surprising episode of SmackDown, and because of that... That's what it's getting on the beard scale. A surprising beard. Like one day, you ain't got a beard. You've lived your whole life with no beard. Okay? 
baby face. You go to sleep. You wake up in the morning. You stretch. You go grab a glass of orange juice. You drink it. You go to the bathroom. You pee. And as you're walking by the mirror, you jump. Oh, gosh. You got a beard on your face now. Surprising beard. That's what this episode of SmackDown was like. But that's it as far as this episode of Babblemania goes. That was this week in professional wrestling. Uh, Very excited for All Out 2020. Episode obviously coming very soon on that. My predictions have already gone up. Make sure you listen to that. But as always, thank you for listening to me babble and ramble about professional wrestling. And I will see you guys on the flip side. Big smooches. Babbling, babbling, let's get to babbling, it's all about some wrestling. Babbling, babbling, let's get to babbling, it's all about some wrestling.